This morning we're going to go back to our verse-by-verse study, moving through the Gospel of Luke. I am and I have been glad for the break, but sometimes it's good just to get back into a routine. Uh, This morning we go back to where we left off in Dr. Luke's account, his actual historical account of the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, it is an interesting place where we rejoin the story this morning, and I'm excited to get back to our verses. Have you ever had an event a coming event, whether it was good or whether it was bad, it really doesn't matter, but have you ever had a coming event and it starts off and it's way off out there in the distance? You know it is there, you know it is coming, but for now at least, it is out there in the distance. Then time goes by and it gets closer, that event draws ever closer, it is coming, you anticipate it, but it's still some ways off out there. Then time goes by and it gets closer still. The the weight of it begins to build. The apprehension of it continues to build until finally that event is right upon you. What once was this distant event, this distant happening, now overshadows you. It is all that you can see and it is all that you can think about. This once distant event is now right there in front of your face. Today we rejoin Luke's account at that point. As we move into our verses today, we now reach the apex or the climax, if you will, of the account. For 19 and a half chapters, Luke has built to this point. For 33 years, Christ's life has traveled to this point. And we we now stand at the edge of the peak of the gospel account. Friends, in the next five and a half chapters, we will hear of the series of events that will lead to the salvation of mankind. In the next five and a half chapters, we will hear of the series of events that will result in the offering of redemption for our sinful race. In the next five and a half chapters, we will hear the greatest news ever told to human ears, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it starts in our verses today. That's awesome. I want to just tell you right now, I I wouldn't miss that. I wouldn't miss the next couple months. In fact, I wouldn't miss 2018. I would be here. I would invite folks. You want to introduce folks to the good news of Jesus Christ? We're getting ready to talk about the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Savior Jesus. Invite folks to these messages. Our message today is entitled, Enter the Messiah. Enter the Messiah. We're in Luke 19. Today, verses 28 through 40. Luke 19 Verses 28 through 40. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence of the reading of God's word. (coughs) Beginning here in verse 28, it says this. And after he had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he approached Bethphage and Bethany, near the mount that is called Olivet, He sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you there. As you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. 
So those who were sent went away and found it just as he has told them. And they were untying the colt. As they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus, and they threw their their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful that you are absolutely faithful. I'm thankful that you're trustworthy. I'm thankful that your mercies to sinful people are new every morning. I'm thankful for our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the hope that still stands and endures in him. I'm thankful for forgiveness of sin. I'm thankful for peace. I'm thankful for eternal life. I'm thankful for a day that I will stand in the presence of Jesus and then celebrate for all eternity. We come today and I pray as we resume this study that you would speak that you would say what it is that you have for your people, that it would not be the filter of a man, but it would be your word for your people. I pray that we would be changed. I pray that we would be instructed. I pray that we would be corrected if need be. I pray for some in this room that do not know Jesus as their Lord. I pray that in the hearing of the gospel, they might be saved. Lord, we tell you today, on this day, we truly love you. We praise you. We worship you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now let's look very quickly at our verses today. Let's move very quickly to our verses. We're going to start here in verse 28. Now before we start, let me say this. As we resume our study today, why do we preach verse by verse? Why is it that we would go and look at the verses. Well, get this this morning as we begin today. The point to preaching, listen to me, is not to plan a sermon or is not to, to pick a topic and then to make the verses match it. That's what I see happening in a lot of places today. That's what I hear on the TV. That's what I see in a lot of churches. They pick a topic and then try to find verses to apply to it. No, listen, the point to preaching is to take the verses and let them speak. To take the verses and from those verses to be able to say, thus saith the Lord. And so let me just tell you up up front today, if I or anyone else is preaching anything but the verses, it may be interesting It may be exciting. It may happen in a church or it may be on Christian radio, but it is not preaching. We want to know what the verses have said and what God has said through them. And so as we resume our study, let's go very quickly to our verses. Starting here in verse 28. After he had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up 
to Jerusalem. After he had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Now, to set the context here, for some time now, Jesus has been making his way toward Jerusalem. He has been teaching. He has been training those disciples. He has been doing many miraculous things. He's been ministering, but all the while, he's been making his way to Jerusalem. In the immediate context, at the end of chapter 18, in the start of chapter 19, Jesus has just passed by Jericho. He has now started the last 25 miles to Jerusalem and the cross of Calvary that waits for him there. And so he is making the journey, and now he is drawing clear. He has passed through the town of Jericho. If you remember there at Jericho, he has shown us his kindness and his grace as he stops and he heals blind Bartimaeus. That's the end of, of chapter 18. Then again, there by Jericho, he has shown us his kindness and his grace, even for a hated sinner, even for a, a tax collector. And we see there that Zacchaeus is saved. Also there at Jericho, he uses a parable to teach on those who would sell out to the kingdom. He uses that parable to talk about those who would, who would receive the kingdom but not commit to its cause. And lastly, to those who would reject the king and thus reject the kingdom. Then here in verse 28, it says, And after he had said those things, after he had said those things, he was going on ahead up to Jerusalem. Now, this is the event that has been hanging in the air. This is the event that has always been looming there in the distance. As Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the promised Messiah, now makes his final passage. He makes his final trip for the final time to Jerusalem. In my Bible translation, verse 28 is a paragraph break of its own, meaning it is, it is its own paragraph. It, verse 28, stands alone between the happenings there in Jericho and the account that is to follow. Now, I'll just tell you today, I believe that it should be. Can you imagine the hugeness of verse 28? Can you imagine the, the heaviness of verse 28? And having said all of these things, Jesus was now going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. You see, it's at Jerusalem that he's going to be falsely accused. He's without sin. He's never sinned, but he's going to be falsely accused. It is at Jerusalem on this trip that he's going to be mocked and he's going to be ridiculed and he's going to be abandoned. It is at Jerusalem, just a few days, short days from here, that he's going to be beaten and crucified on the cross of Calvary in the place of sinful man. And yet the Bible says, and he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Friends, what a Savior we have. What a Savior we have. He knew his fate. He knew the pain. He knew the suffering. He knew the cross. And he was going on ahead up to Jerusalem. What a Savior we have. Verse 29. 
when he had approached Bethphage and Bethany near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples. In the Gospel of John, it says that he stops there in Bethany at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, his very dear friends. Most likely, and I think this is probably the case, most likely he travels the 23 miles from Jericho to Bethany, and I believe he does that on Friday evening, and he stops there at the home of his friends, and he spends the Sabbath, he spends the Saturday there at the home of his friends. And then I believe the account picks back up on Sunday, the end of the Sabbath. And I believe that's where verse 29 fits in. When he had approached Bethphage, Bethphage and Bethany near the mount which is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples. Verse 30, saying, Go into the village ahead of you there. As you enter, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has yet ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. All four gospel accounts report this part of the account. There is a young colt there. It is actually a young donkey there. You're going to go, you're going to find a young colt, a young donkey. He says, untie it and bring it here. I want to say this. Jesus knows what he's doing. Jesus is very specific. I think we need to see this as we, as we move through the rest of this verses. Can, can you, if you, if you read this right, if you, if you see what is unfolding here, you can almost start to feel the anticipation. You can almost start to feel the building of the anticipation. Here is this event. And it has been aimed for all through time. And now it is drawing closer. And here is another step and it is even closer. And there is a, another step and it is even closer. And you can see the anticipation as he moves closer. You can almost feel the seconds as they pass. You can almost feel the hours as they begin to pass. Go and get the donkey. It's another step. Here we are at this edge. Go and bring the colt to me. And it's another step. They draw closer. Verse 31, if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. The Greek word for Lord here is kurios. It means master. It means Lord. Translates Lord, it is one who has ownership rights. He tells these two disciples, go and find the colt, the young donkey, and if you're, as you're untying it, if they ask what you're doing, tell them the Lord has need of it. Again, you can almost feel the anticipation. Go to the edge of this town and there find the donkey. And as, as you're untying it, if someone were to ask what, the, what is going on here, tell them the Lord has need of it. You can almost feel the expectation there. Jesus is now two miles from Jerusalem. The plan is starting to unfold there. If anyone asks what is going on, tell them the Lord has need of it. The plan is unfolding. Verse 32. So those who were sent went away 
and found it just as he had told them. So those who were sent away, who were sent, went away and found it just as he told them. Get this, see this. All the details are exact. All of the details are are pinpoint. Can you can you feel the movement closer? Can you can you feel the anticipation? It is just as he said it would be. There's no room now for error. There's there's no room now for chance. And just as he said it would be, it's exactly how it is, and the edge even closer. Verse 33. As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? Just as he said it would be, just as he said it would be. Can you feel the suspense as they're they're untying it? The the plan of God is unfolding as they're untying it. They ask, why are you untying the colt? And he says, the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. Verse 33, as they were untying it, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? Verse 34, and they said, the Lord has need of it. Same word. Curios, Lord, Master. See this. Often that word was used to refer to God. In fact, when Paul writes, he used it to refer specifically to Jesus. Can you imagine this? Why are you untying the the donkey there? Why are you untying it? And they say, God needs it. The Lord has need of it. It's in his plan. God has dictated this day. God has dictated these steps. God needs it. And the plan moves closer. Can't you feel it? Step by step, the plan is unfolding. And the steps move closer two miles from Jerusalem. Verse 35. They brought it to Jesus And they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. Very specific. Very specific. Jesus knows what's happening here. Jesus knows what's going on here. It's very specific. Can can you feel it? Can you feel the, the anticipation as the movement begins? Verse 36. As he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. Again, can you feel it? As he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. Can you sense the anticipation? Here they go now. It's the, it's the final trip and it's for the final time. And as they were going, here, here they go. The crowd starts to move with them and here they go. And they start to take their coats and throw them in front of them. They start to take their coats and spread them there on the road. It was a sign of respect. It was rolling out the red carpet. It was a sign of honor. Can you see it here? Can you feel it? Here comes Jesus and he starts the last two miles and he's making his way down and he'll not come this way anymore not like this and they spread their coats out in honor can you feel it listen to this some 550 years before this day the prophet Zechariah Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 says this Listen, 550 years before that day. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. 
He is just and he's endowed with salvation. He's bringing salvation. He's humble and he's mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Can you feel it? The plan is unfolding. Verse 37. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles that they had seen. Are you with me here? Can you feel it? Next to the descent of the Mount of Olives. Here they are and they've topped the hill and they're on the descent of the Mount of Olives and it's now two miles from the city. It's now two miles and they're looking down upon the Temple Mount. It is gonna be the last trip and he's gonna make it for the last time and as he stands there on this descent, as he stands there and is approaching as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, the Bible says these people having seen the miracles and having seen all of the miracles and having heard all the talk of the miracles, Some of them in the crowd can surely testify to the miracles. Think about whose house they had just left. There's Lazarus, and he was dead four days in the grave, and now he's alive, and all the miracles that they've seen, they can't hold it in any longer. They can't be silenced any longer. And on the final trip, for the final time, they begin to quote Psalm 118. They begin to mimic the angels of the birth. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Can you see it? They can't be silent anymore. They're announcing the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. And Jesus is coming down into Jerusalem. Can you feel it? The plan of God is unfolding. Can you feel it? We call this the triumphal entry. They celebrate, surely they celebrate. By verse 38, we see that they celebrate a king. And he surely is the king. But I want us to understand as he comes down on this trip, the final trip for the final time, Be sure today he's not just coming as any king. He's not coming as any previous king. No, he is coming as the Messiah. He is coming as the lamb. He's coming as the sacrifice whose blood will be shed for the remission of sin. He's coming as the redeemer and he's coming for his kin. He's coming as the way. He's coming as the truth. He's coming as the life. He's coming as the door. He's coming as the ark of our deliverance. He's coming as the Passover so God's judgment will pass by. He's coming as the propitiation for sin as he comes down. He's coming as the savior. Oh, what a day our savior comes down. Oh, what a day. Verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. These leaders, these Pharisees, they knew what was happening. They knew what he was being called. They knew that they were declaring he was the Messiah. They know that. And so they say, teacher, silence your students. 
Rabbi, silence your disciples. Enough with this. Silence them. They know what they're saying. Verse 40. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. All of these years had come to this. All of these years had come to this point. And on this day into Jerusalem, the capital city, into the city of David, into the religious center, into the place of the temple, more than that, into the place of the altar, the Messiah has come. How big is that? How big is that? On this day, all these years have brought us to this point, and now riding down on a little donkey, the Messiah has come. All those years, all those years, In the law, the need for the Messiah was revealed. In Jesus, the Messiah has come. In the prophets, the provision of a Messiah was promised. In Jesus, the Messiah has come. In the ministry of John the Baptist, the way of the Messiah was paved. But now in Jesus, the Messiah has come. In the herald of angels, the birth of the Messiah was proclaimed, but now on a donkey coming into the hill in the person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah has come. And Jesus says here, if they would be silent, if they could be silent, even the rocks would cry out. Friends, listen to your preacher today. We have our Messiah. His name is Jesus. Only hope's in him. Salvation alone is in him. Peace alone that's gonna endure is in him. We have the marked, anointed Messiah of God and his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. I'm thankful for the truth of your word. I'm thankful as I read through these verses and I think how many times I just, I missed over the magnitude of what was happening. I'm astounded that today I see Jesus, the Messiah, knowing his fate. And for the joy set before him, he goes on to Jerusalem. Lord, I'm thankful for such a Savior. I'm in awe of such a salvation. I pray that I would lead my life, that I would order my life in light of such a great salvation. Pray for some in this room that they would find our Savior in that salvation. We thank you today. We praise you today. We worship you today. Oh, what a Savior. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.